Well, we've been walking through the letters of John. I hope you've enjoyed this study. I, I, I've got to be honest, I've enjoyed actually walking through these letters as well because of the encouragement that it brings. And today, it's going to be some really important truths that we're going to find in the first six verses of this passage that I think honestly are some lessons that all of us need to know and that all of us need to learn. And so we're going to jump right in. We're going to walk through this passage again, six, verse and six verses. And today I've entitled this message, Stand for the Truth. And here's why. Because today in our culture, truth is something that is being thrown around. It is being changed. It is being modified. It is being, um, you know, adjusted for the culture and adjusted for the moment and adjusted for what comes up and what goes down. And today what God's Word very clearly wants us to understand is that truth is always truth. It has been truth, it is truth, it will forever be truth, and truth never ceases to be truth. So that is what we need to recognize and understand. So let's go to 1 John chapter 4, let's read this passage beginning with verse 1. Here's what it says. It says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see if they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you know the Spirit of God uh, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming even now. It is already in the world. You are from God, little children, and you have conquered them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, what they say is from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and anyone who knows God listens to us, and anyone who is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of deception. And so let's kind of walk through these six verses, again, understanding the importance of truth, understanding the importance of standing on the truth, of recognizing like why truth is such a big deal. And so we know right up front from verse 1 that we just read a moment ago that knowing the truth makes all the difference. It makes all the difference in the world. Because if you do not know truth and stand on truth, you will fall for anything and everything. And we live in a culture today where so many people are falling for deception. They're falling for the lies of Satan. They're falling for the deception, the deceit that is everywhere. And we wonder why our culture is falling apart. Here's why. Because we do not value truth. So look what it says in verse 1. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see if they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now, understand this, that John is writing this, and we've talked about this like a number of times this summer, like John is writing this to counter some false teaching that's taking place in the church, right? We've talked about the Gnostics, remember? And that Gnostics were a group that thought they were smarter than everyone else. They were a group that thought that they had supreme and superior knowledge than anyone and everyone else. And because of this superior knowledge, that they were the only ones who truly understood truth and that everybody else didn't have it. Like, you understand that, right? And so he's saying in verse 1, like, hey, make sure that you are listening to truth. Make sure you test the spirits. Now, what does that mean? Now, understand that in verse 1, like right out of the gate, here's what he's talking about. He's talking about the fact, he's not talking about the Holy Spirit here. He's talking about the spirits that are in the world. 
And make no mistake that today, in the culture that we live, that yes, the Holy Spirit exists, and yes, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit resides in you, is in your heart. That is something that at the moment of salvation, He is yours and He will be with you for all of time until you get into the presence of God. But there are also other spirits. That the Holy Spirit's not the only spirit that is in this world. That there are demonic spirits that are at work in our culture and in our world and in your life. They are out to get you. Now, some of you are sitting saying, wait a minute, this is sounding a little bit weird here. I didn't come to church today to talk about demonic spirits. I get all that. Here's what God's Word says. John 10.10 10 says, and I've said this a thousand times, and I'll quote it a thousand times more because it's a great verse. The thief, Satan, comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. Now, if Satan, if God's Word, if Jesus actually spoke these words that Satan has come to steal and to kill and to destroy, what Jesus is saying is that Satan is in, at work in this present age. That Satan is at work today. And if Satan is at work today, I'm going to take Jesus' word over your word or my word or Rob's word or anybody else's word in this room to know that if, Satan, if Jesus says that Satan is at work, then that means there are demonic spirits at work in our world today. Jesus goes on to say, but I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And so clearly what John is saying here in this passage is that the truth makes all the difference. But what we have to do is we have to discern truth. Now, if you go all the way back into the book of Deuteronomy, Moses in that time was talking about prophets. And he was talking about how to know if the prophets were good prophets or bad prophets. Because you know in the Old Testament, there were a lot of prophets, right? And there were good prophets and there were bad prophets, right? Remember the whole story of Elijah and the, the prophets of Baal? Remember that story, right? You know, and, 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 and they were challenging the 450 prophets and they were, they were challenging Elijah. Elijah won, right? That was a really cool story. I, I love how God showed up that day and showed off that day. It was really cool. It wasn't really cool for the 450 prophets, but, but for Elijah, it's a good day. So we know there are lots of prophets in the Old Testament. But what Moses said in the book of Deuteronomy, he said, here's how you're going to know, like, if the prophet's real. So, number one, if a prophet says something, and that something comes true, then that's a good sign. That's something that actually, like, may be, that may be from God. But then he also goes on to say this, that if that prophet says something, and then it becomes true, but then the prophet is giving the glory to someone other than the God of Israel, then that prophet is not a true prophet, Right? And so going in the Old Testament and then into the New Testament, clearly the picture we get is this, is that there are demonic forces, demonic spirits that are at work in our age, and they are coming after you. It's an encouraging day here at Thomas Road Baptist Church. Yes, demonic spirits are at work, and they're after us. They're after you. They want to stop you. The Bible says that Satan is like a, a lion that is prowling around, seeking whom he may devour, Right? How many of you ever watched National Geographic and they show some of the, you know, the video specials from over in the Serengeti and the Masamara? I really, I love watching those things. I watch them sometimes with my daughter Natalie, who just sang here a few moments ago, and she hates watching those things. Because you know what lions do when they're prowling around on the, on the, on the open plains, right, on, on the Serengeti? You know what they're doing, right? They're not out there like, you know, hanging out looking for the local drive-in. Right? They're not figuring out how to go and find a burger and fries and a milkshake. They're, they're, that's not what they're doing. They're looking for the animals that are weaker than them. They're looking for the animals that they can overcome. And so the lions, they all work together. 
And, you know, in the, lion, in the lion world, this is not a sexist statement, but in the lion world, like all the male lions have convinced all the female lions, that's your job. And so the male lions with their big manes, they go over and hang out in the bushes in the shade, just kind of relax and chill out. And the women go to work. And so all the women lion men, they're, 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 they're kind of prowling around, they're, they're looking for, and then they find it. They, they zero in on that weakest of the, the, weakest of the, of the herd. And so the pride is kind of all getting around. They all work together. And so all of these, you know, these female lions, they're all kind of getting around, and one will go this way, and one will go this way, and one will come up this way, and one this way, and one will go way around that way to the point where they're, they're really low. They're down in the, you know, in the grass, and, and they're, they're moving very, very carefully, and they get all in there. They get closer and closer and closer and closer. And then finally, you know what happens. Like that, that, that herd, that, that member of the herd, it sees the lions. And it recognizes that it's in trouble. And it recognizes the lines are out to get me right now, right here. And so it begins to run. The problem is that those female lions have like surrounded that thing where it can't go anywhere. And you know what happens next, right? Yeah, it's like, you know, it's the buffet. It's Golden Corral and the Serengeti is what it is. And, and then, of course, the male line does what the male lines do. As soon as they see that the female lines have been successful in taking down that, you know, whatever antelope or, or whatever it might be, the wildebeest or whatever, then the male line stands up and walks up and kicks all the female lines out and then has lunch. That's what, this is not a sex, I'm not saying we should do that in our culture, okay? I'm just saying that's the way it's done over there. Make no mistake, there's a reason that God's Word talks about Satan as the lion who prowls. Because the images that we get from what takes place in the Serengeti is exactly what happens in our lives. That Satan and his demons are prowling, and they're surrounding, and they are searching, and they're coming after you, and their desire is to take you down. So John, clearly understanding the false prophets that were beginning to bring false truths into the church, that he was saying very clearly that those statements, those false truths, those false statements, they're coming in, and here's what they're doing. They're being used by Satan to destroy, to prowl, to steal, to kill, to destroy, and to take you down. So he says this, don't believe every spirit. Like, don't believe everything that you hear. Don't believe, like, everything that, that comes out of even the people within the church. Like, like you need to test this. And here's the clear picture that John wants everybody to understand, and everybody, I want everybody in this room to understand, that testing the spirits, looking for what is accurate, what is true, and what is false, you cannot delegate that duty to someone else. You can't delegate it to me as your pastor. I stand up here every week, and I preach the gospel, and I preach God's Word. And I do my level best to make sure that what I give to you is God's Word. But I'm human, and there are times that I make mistakes. And I know that's true because some of you in this room are really quick to email me and let me know when I make mistakes, and I thank you for that. It's a blessing. It really is sometimes. Um, but you can't delegate that to someone else. Elmer Towns is sitting right back over here. Elmer Towns is like the, the most brilliant uh, Bible theologian in the room. I, I mean, I'm not saying anything bad about anybody else. There's probably some great, but this guy, like, like he's my hero. He's my mentor. Uh, I've always said that Elmer Towns and Harold Wilmington are, they're my PhD. I'm never going to go get a PhD because I don't need to because this guy's written about 7,000 books. 
So all I need to do is go read his books, right? And so that's an encouragement to me. So he's my PhD. Now, here's what I know. You can't delegate testing the spirits to Elmer Towns. You can't delegate it to me. You can't delegate it to Troy Temple, who's the dean of our School of Divinity at Liberty, who's seated right over there. And by the way, you're a good theologian too, but Elmer's got you just by a little. Okay. <laughs> you can't delegate that to someone else. So what does that mean? It means this. The responsibility of finding truth, it is on you. And how do you do that? God has given us His Word. The Word of God that is living, that is powerful, that is sharper than any two-edged sword. The Word of God that is active and present in your life if you will spend time in it. It is truth. And knowing the truth and standing on the truth, it makes all of the difference. And so in verse 1, like John makes it clear, hey, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see if they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. They are everywhere. And so knowing the truth makes all the difference. And knowing the source of truth makes all the difference. What's the source of truth? Well, that brings us to verse 2. And in verse 2, what it tells us is very clearly is that Jesus is the source of truth. Look what it says. This is how you know the Spirit of God. Now remember now, verse 1, what did John say? Test the spirits, right? To see if they're from God. So then in verse 2, John goes and says, oh, and by the way, this is how you will know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming. Even now, it is already in the world. Now, in these two verses, verses 2 and 3, we get two very clear pictures, like a really clear dichotomy right here. We get it right up front. In verse 2... It says you'll know it's from God if it declares, if, if it confesses that Jesus is God, that He took on flesh. Now, this is a word, uh, kind, of a, you know, kind of a big fancy word, what we're talking about is the incarnation of Christ. And if you look up incarnation in the dictionary, it basically just simply says this, is that deity, like, like God, took on flesh. That's what incarnation means. And so if the spirit or if the message or if the truth that you're hearing talks about and declares and points to the fact that Jesus is God, a very God, that He's not like some man who had some special powers. Remember, the Gnostics believed that Jesus actually, when He was baptized by the John, John the Baptist, remember when the Spirit descended on Him? So the Gnostics believed that when the Spirit descended, when He was baptized, that all of a sudden, like Jesus was a normal man before that, but then when the, He was baptized and the Spirit descended, like all of a sudden there was like a lightning bolt moment, and now all of a sudden He's God. And that He was God all the way up to the point of the cross. And that when He died on the cross, that that Spirit left Him, and that he was no longer God. Now he was just a man. See, the Gnostics believe like weird stuff. And so what it clearly tells us is this, is that any spirit who confesses or believes that Jesus is flesh, that he is God, a very God, that he has always been, that he is and he will always be, that he took on flesh for us, then that's one that you can trust. But if it's one that does not declare that, if it does not believe that, then that is not of God. And it says that it's the spirit of the Antichrist. What does the word Antichrist tell us? Basically this, counterfeit, right? 
So in your pocket, some of you in this room have like some dollar bills, right? Like in my back pocket here, I can't believe I actually have this. I have my wallet with me. And in my wallet, I actually have, here, hold on. Hold this for me. Here's my credit cards. If you take them, yeah, okay. <laughs> here, hold that too for me if you would. And I know exactly how much is in there and what cards are in there. And I also know where the security in the room is, just so you know. Okay, so, so this is a $20 bill, right? And so a lot of you in this room have some money in your pocket, right? And so this thing has value, right? Not as much as it used to have, I get it, right? You know, it's 8% less than it was a year ago. Uh, but we're not going to get into politics here today. Uh, but maybe someone in Washington will read a book. I don't know. But either way, okay, this... <laughs> Used to be worth a lot of money, right? And so $20 used to be able to do a lot of things. You could go out and have dinner on it. You could go out and buy gas in your car. Um, I remember a time when you could fill up your car with a $20 bill. Uh, now you can't get the thing off of the, uh, you know, the machine for less than $20. I get it. But this thing has value, right? But here's what I also know, that this $20 bill that I have in my hand, that if I decided like today to go home and to scan it on a color scanner and then to print it on an inkjet printer, and then I printed my own little copy of this $20 bill, here's what it would do. It would look exactly like what I hold in my hand. It would look exactly the same. And it would have perceived value. It wouldn't have intrinsic value. It would have perceived value. Like, like, it would seem like it would have value. And I could go to a store, and so let's say, Van, you're running a store, like you're working at a local McDonald's or Chick-fil-A or something, and I go in and order some food, and I go up to the counter to pay with this $20 bill that's now counterfeit, and I hand it to him, and I pay, you can take it, take it, and I pay for my food. If Van doesn't have a clue, I'm not saying he doesn't, but, you know, but if he doesn't have a clue, then he's going to give me my food, and I'm going to walk out of the door, and it's not going to be until later that night when maybe the manager's going through, you know, cashing all the money and checking all the money and, and, and depositing all the money, that he's going to find out what idiot took a counterfeit $20 bill. Like, how could you be so stupid, right? That happens all the time. Now, here's what happens. What happened is this, is that I went in, and because he did not know truth, because he did not know the difference between real and counterfeit, he accepted the counterfeit. Now, do you get the picture? The picture of what John is writing here? That if you do not know truth, if you do not understand that Jesus is God, that he took on flesh, the incarnation of Christ was real, that he took on actual flesh, flesh, that he left heaven, that he came to this earth, that he walked on this earth, that he went to the cross and he died for your sins and mine, was buried and rose again three days later, and then ascended into heaven and today is sitting at the right hand of the Father of God, interceding for us, praying for us, waiting till that moment the Father says, go get him, that Jesus then steps out, the trumpet sounds, the dead Christ will be risen, and all of us will gather together with them to meet the cloud, Lord of the, the uh, I'm going to take a break, just give me a minute, to meet the Lord of the air, and then we will forever be with the Lord. Like, like, if you don't get that, if you don't believe that, then you will buy anything that people have to give you. And we live in a culture today where churches are full of people who will believe anything they hear. Now, if I ever stand on this stage, which I rarely stand on the stage. If I ever walk these aisles preaching to you and I preach to you things that do not line up with God's word, fire me quickly. Like get rid of me now because it is so vitally important that you know truth. And truth does not come from me. Truth comes only from God. Jesus is the source of truth. 
And so we have to understand and recognize that John writes in this passage, like, hey, listen, this is how you're going to know it's real. This is how you're going to know it's true. Does it believe, confess, and, and declare that Jesus is exactly who he said he is? Why is that so important? Well, he goes on to tell us that the truth really gives us power. And remember how we said a few moments ago that there are demonic powers that are out to take us down, right? You get that? And so knowing the truth gives us power. And why do we need power? Because we need to stand up against the wiles of the devil, the attacks of the devil, which are very real. Go back in this passage, read verse 4. Verse 4 says this, You are from God, little children, and you have conquered them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Now what that tell us, tells us is this, is that you are not more powerful than the demons. You get that? And make sure you understand that. There's not a person in this room that is more powerful than Satan and his demons. Okay, I, again, it's like encouragement day at Thomas Road, right? You will not find that on a plaque at Mardell's. It will, you will not find one. Hey, you're weaker than the demons. Have a great day at Mardell. You will not find that there, right? But it's true. You are not stronger than Satan and his demons. So let me tell you again, what does John say? Hey, good news, you've defeated them, you've conquered them, but not because of you, but because of the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. That's the picture of what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Remember that passage that says that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? And then you know what it says this? And we kind of like gloss over this a lot of times. We kind of move past the statement because we get like in the first part of that verse, right? Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we got to protect the temple, right? But right there, smack dab in the middle of that verse is this statement. It says that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. The Holy Spirit is is in you. And so knowing the truth and knowing the power of the gospel and the power of God, the fact that Jesus sent the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, to come alongside each and every one of us who comforts us and walks with us every day, that gives us power. And boy, do we need power. We desperately need power because Satan is out to get you. Demonic powers are real. Now understand this, as a Christian, if you are truly a Christian, if you are a person who has accepted and believed that Jesus is the Son of God, that He died and that He rose again, that you've accepted Him as your Lord and Savior to forgive you, forgive you of your sins, to give you the promise and the hope of heaven, here's what cannot happen to you. You cannot be demon-possessed. Now again, I know there are some people, some denominations, some you know, churches or pastors out there who might disagree with what I just said, but I'm just telling you what God's Word says. In fact, we're going to get to it in a couple of weeks in 1 John chapter 5. Um, in that passage, John writes that because you belong to God, that the demons can't do anything to you. They can't touch you. Okay? So, so understand, like, you can't be demon-possessed. And so now you're sitting there saying, well, now that's encouraging. That's good news. They say, he's turning this thing around. Here's the problem. The problem is while you cannot be demon-possessed, you can be demon-oppressed. Because the demons do come after you. And while they can't destroy you and they can't, like, indwell you, they can't, like, come inside, because the Holy Spirit's not going to let them in. Like, they're going to come knock on the door and the Holy Spirit says, sorry, you know, no vacancy. You can't get in here. This one's mine, right? But, boy, the demons can oppress you. And they can attack you. And that's why we see so often today Christians who fall by the wayside, Christians who fall flat on their face because they've been oppressed by the temptations of Satan and his demons. And how does that happen? Oh, man, it happens in a myriad of ways. Like it happens through pornography. 
It happens through uh, drug abuse and alcohol abuse. It happens through, I mean, just so many things, like pride. It happens through the desire for more, like, like the lust for stuff, right? That you want money and you want power and you want, you know, status and, and it's all about you. Like, like that's how Satan and his demons oppress us, right? And we see it all the time. The Christians, Christians fall because they don't have the strength that they need to overcome, not because the Holy Spirit has left them or the demons have possessed them. It's because they've spent their time not looking for truth. They've spent their time dabbling in deceit. And that's what we as followers of Christ so often do. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 says this, finally be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Why? Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against, here it is, the schemes of the devil. The schemes of the devil are out to get you. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil, spiritual forces in the heavens. Listen, it is real. Satan and his demons are real. But here's the good news in the midst of all this scary stuff is that Jesus has already given us the victory. Look what it says in this passage. It tells us this about truth, right? So we already understand, like, the truth makes all the difference. Jesus is the source of truth, right? The truth gives us power. But here's the cool thing, is that when you lean on truth, that truth reveals more truth. Like, the more you spend time in truth, the more truth you get. It's like, it's, it's really a cool thing, right? Uh, verses 5 and 6. They are from the world. Therefore, what they say is from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and anyone who knows God listens to us. Anyone who is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of deception. Go back to verse 5. Three times in verse 5, you see one word there. Can anybody yell out to me the word that you see in verse 5 three times? The word world, right? And so that word world is the Greek word cosmos, which literally kind of means against God. Like, and so this is like one of the places in Scripture where you often hear like preachers like me say, hey, don't listen to the world. The world's out to get you. You know, don't fall for the temptations of the world. And you sit back and say, the world is like a planet. Like, how can the planet, like, tempt you? How can the planet deceive you? How, like, how can that happen? God's Word says... They are from the world. They are from against God. Therefore, what they say is from against God. And against God listens to them. There is a very real situation that we face as Christians every single day that the world, not the, not the physical, like, scientific world, but the cosmos world that is against God, that it is out to get you. And you cannot allow yourself to lean into the things of this world. Why? Because we are not of this world. That we have been made new creations. All the former things have passed away and everything is made new. Change that. Personalize it. You have been made new as a follower of Jesus Christ. So you don't have to worry about that stuff anymore as long as you're leaning into truth. And the more you lean into truth, the more truth you'll get, right? It's really cool what God's Word very clearly tells us. Now, understand, John says they're not from the world. Like, they're, they're of the world. They're not, you know, they're, they're, they're not, uh, it says they're from the world. They're, they're not of us. Like, they, what they say is from the world, and what they're trying to do is from the world. The world listens to them. Like, they're out. It's stuff that does not jive with Christianity. And let me make sure you understand very clearly what I'm about to say. There are things that are in this world not this earth, this world, 
that cannot coexist if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. You cannot live however you want to live and do whatever you want to do and go to the same places and read the same stuff and view the same stuff and ingest the same stuff and shoot up the same stuff. You can't do what the world does and still coexist as a follower of Christ. They will constantly be at battle with one another. They are from the world, and it's of the world, and it's against God, and God doesn't want you to fall victim to that. And so this is something, when John says, you got to test this, like you got to figure out what truth is. This is not a test that so you can just figure out how to get a passing grade. Like, I, you know, I kind of picked on a few moments ago, Elmer Towns and Troy Temple over here, who, you know, Elmer was the school of, uh, the dean of the School of Divinity for many, many years here, and Troy is now the dean of the School of Divinity. And uh, Elmer will tell you, actually, I hope he won't tell you, but there were times I had Elmer in class many years ago. And uh, when I was in college, and then when I was in seminary, I had Elmer in class. And there were times, Elmer, I got to confess, I'm getting down on my knee here to confess to you, buddy. Okay. I love you. Um, there were times in your class that I wasn't so interested in getting an A, I was interested in getting by. And I, and I just figured out like what I thought I could do to kind of pass the test. Like whenever he would, they used to have these things, they used to have these things like these little bubble uh, sheets, you know, where you go through and you answer the questions by doing like, you know, marking A, and you kind of fill in the bubble, right? So there were times, Elmer, I gotta be honest with you, I went A, B, C, D, D, C, B, A, A, B, C, D, D, C, B, A. I, I just kind of like, and guess what I did? Yes. I passed your class. <laughs> I got by. I made it. I survived. And, and it didn't kick me out. It was awesome. It was great. Now, now they, they don't do those, I don't think, anymore. I think they're a little bit more detailed. I, I actually got, went to school back in the days when you, could, you can get by with stuff. You can't do that anymore. Um, but this is not a test that you can just get by. You see, I think so many Christians today are trying to figure out how to do the A, B, C, D, D, C, B, A model of Christianity. I'm just trying to figure out how you can skirt by because your only view, your only desire is you want to get to heaven. And so, man, I believe that Jesus is God's son, that he died and that he rose again. I believe that with all my heart. And man, I can't wait to get to heaven. I know if I die today, I'll spend eternity in heaven. What John is telling us in the first, first, uh, first six verses of First John chapter 4 is this. is like, hey, that's awesome and that's great. But you know what? What you do here matters. You can't just do the A, B, C, D, D, C, B, A form of Christianity and truly experience the joy that God has to give. It does not work. Why? Because Satan's out to take you down. Satan's out to kill, to steal, to destroy. John 12, 31, listen to what Jesus said about Satan. Satan is the ruler of this world. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 says, that it says this, the Satan is the God of this age. Listen to what Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2 says this. It says that he is the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Satan and his demons are real and they are powerful. And Jesus himself said that they are rulers of this age. Jesus said it, not a preacher. That's what Jesus said. But here's what you also need to know. Jesus also said this. Ah, but don't worry about it. Because I have overcome the world. Isn't that good news? That he has overcome the world. 
And so what does that mean for us? It means this, heaven, yes, you're a follower of Christ. Heaven is guaranteed. It is yours. That's awesome. But while you're here, you're still under attack. Satan is still coming out to get you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to destroy your joy. He wants to destroy your business. He wants to destroy your home. He wants to destroy everything that you know that is valuable, that is real in your journey, in this Christian walk, this Christian journey. Your own. Like Satan wants to take all of it down. He uses a scorched earth policy. He wants to destroy everything that you have while he can because he knows he cannot get you for eternity. So he wants to destroy you for the now. And here's what I'll say. You do not have to let him destroy you in the now because Jesus said, I have overcome the cosmos, the against God powers of this age. And here's all you got to do. You just got to know the truth, which is why Jesus clearly said, oh, know the truth. And the truth shall set you free. That's what God does. So today, make sure you understand, like today, yes, you're under attack, but man, you don't have to fear it. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to, you know, to, to go find a corner somewhere to hide. Like, you don't have to do any of that kind of stuff. Here's all you got to do is you just have to know the truth makes all the difference and that Jesus is the source of that truth and that that truth that God gives to us, that God reveals to us is a truth that not only gives us power, but that it is a truth that will give you more truth. And the more time you spend in God's truth, God will reveal more truth to you until you get to the last day of your life and you'll be able to look back on your life and just say this, there is no greater joy than to know that I have walked in truth. And that is what God desires for you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the words that you give to us that we desperately need because we fall victim all the time to the attacks of Satan. So God, I pray that today in our lives that we, every one of us in this room, everyone watching or listening, that, that we would figure out, Father, how to turn our hearts away from the, the world, the cosmos, the, the against God stuff of this age, and that we would focus on the truth that comes from you, knowing and recognizing that Jesus is the source of that truth. God helps to live there. And God, I pray that if there's someone here today that maybe has been deceived, that maybe has lost sight of what it truly means to walk in truth, I pray that today at this altar in a few moments that maybe they'll make a decision to come to this altar and just simply say, God, I've been deceived. I've allowed myself to be deceived by the world, but I know that Jesus is your son. I know that he died and that he rose again. So today, God, help me to walk in truth. God, that there'll be some turning that takes place here today. And God, that maybe there are some people here today that have never believed that Jesus is your son, that he died and that he rose again. Maybe today is the day of salvation. God, I pray that in a moment you'll bring them to make that decision, to change their hearts and their minds. And God, we'll give you the praise for the work you're going to do. With our heads bowed and with our eyes closed, our team is gathering here at the front. We're going to sing this morning. Zach is going to lead us. And as we do, the altar's open. And if you're here today and you're a person who is a follower of Christ, but yet you have been deceived by the powers of Satan, that you have allowed yourself to be deceived by what is not truth, but rather by the things of this present age, by this world, then I just encourage, like, like in a moment when we stand, just come down to this altar, kneel here and just say, God, like, man, I, I, my mind's messed up and, I, and I'm sorry, I, I've blown it, but man, today I'm turning to you. 
the giver, the source of truth. Today is that day. Maybe you're here today and you need to meet Christ as your Lord and Savior. Man, I encourage you in a moment, come down this altar and come connect with our team here and just say, listen, I, I want to make that decision right now, right here. I want that power that comes through Jesus Christ. Maybe you want to come and join our church family or come for prayer, whatever it is. Like, like whatever God's telling you to do, I want you to do. And understand this, that whenever God is telling you to do something and you do not act on what God is telling you to do, like that actually is a force that demons can actually, to keep you from making the decision to follow Christ, making the decision to do what's right. Don't let Satan get the victory. Don't let him get the victory. Respond to what Jesus is telling you to do. Let's stand, let's sing, and let's step out. Zach, lead us. Father, today we thank you for truth. We thank you for how you reveal truth to us through your word. And to God, I pray that today for every one of us in this room, for those watching or listening today, God, I pray that we would walk in truth. God, that we would never allow ourselves to uh, be tripped up by or to be deceived by, to be pulled in by Satan. God, I pray that we would, Lord, recognize that every day we need to seek truth today for more truth today, because we know that your mercies are new every day. God, help us to walk in that. And for that, God, we'll give you the praise. We'll give you the glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I guess before you leave, listen, the altar's open. We'd love to pray with you, talk with you, connect with you. It makes a difference. But as you leave today and you walk out, recognize this, Satan's got a bullseye on your back. But I promise you this, when you lean into the promise and the hope that Christ gives, Satan will miss every time because Jesus said, I have overcome the world. God bless you. Have a great day. I want to thank you for joining us today. If you've never come to the place of recognition of being a sinner and needing a savior, you can do so right now. Believing that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose again to give you eternal life, just ask him to save you today. If you would like to talk further about that, and what God has done in the giving of His Son, Jesus, we'd love to chat with you. I would encourage you to email us at the address listed on the screen, pastor at trbc.org. We would love to connect with you and help you begin this brand new journey with Jesus Christ. If you would like to help contribute to our ministry as we take this message of the gospel around the world, go to the link on the screen today and help us help others with this amazing message of God's love.